Commonly, I hear I'm getting older, so I guess I have to live with waking up to pee in the middle of the night. Well, please know this is not a normal part of aging. Studies have shown that the more frequently you wake up to urinate during the night, the higher your mortality rate. You're listening to Eat for Life, the show that aims to help you identify the root causes of what ails you so you can heal and live the life you are meant for. I'm your host, Sammy G. Nighttime urination is a common problem across all age groups. It affects men, women, and children. If you find yourself waking up around 3 a.m., or if you have nightly bathroom trips that seem to occur like clockwork every 90 minutes, then this episode is for you. There are several reasons why you might struggle with nighttime urination. Many people assume it's due to drinking too much water before bed, but this is less common than you might think. An overactive bladder in women, an enlarged prostate in men, kidney stones, liver problems, diabetes, and congestive heart failure can all cause nighttime urination. But today I want to talk about two overlooked underlying causes of nighttime urination, gut inflammation and breathing problems. Since an inflamed gut can significantly impact breathing and is also a culprit in sleep apnea, let's start here. As I've shared in previous episodes, gut inflammation can result from a variety of underlying causes, but the most common cause is an overgrowth of inflammatory microorganisms such as bacteria, fungi, and protozoa. Your microbiome is defined as all of these organisms plus their genetic elements and is a highly intelligent ecosystem. The reason it's important to first focus on gut inflammation is that it's a major underlying factor in all of the health problems I mentioned previously, especially breathing problems, including asthma. Keep in mind, you don't have to have sleep apnea to have a nighttime breathing problem, although this is a commonly overlooked reason why many people struggle with nocturnal urination. Sleep apnea is a condition that occurs when your throat closes off as you inhale while sleeping causing you to stop breathing multiple times during the night. To be officially diagnosed with sleep apnea, you need to have a certain number of these episodes every hour, each lasting more than 10 seconds. Contrary to popular belief, sleep apnea can equally impact under and overweight individuals. Each time you stop breathing during the night and attempt to breathe in against a blocked throat, a vacuum is formed in your chest cavity, which expands your heart's atrial chambers. This leads your heart to believe it's overfilled with blood. To counter this, your heart produces a hormone known as ANP, which goes to your kidneys to produce more urine, consequently lowering your blood volume. Apneas tend to happen most frequently during REM sleep, a stage where dreams occur and muscles are entirely relaxed. The initial REM cycle starts approximately 90 to 120 minutes after falling asleep, repeating every 90 to 120 minutes. As the night progresses, REM stages extend, while deep sleep stages reduce. The lengthiest REM cycle usually begins around 3 a.m. If you have been dealing with apneas throughout your sleep, it results in the production of small volumes of urine. This causes your bladder to fill up and expand later in the night. Typically, if you are facing this condition, you'll find yourself waking up around 3 a.m., plus or minus 20 to 30 minutes, often at the same time each night. If you are waking up multiple times during the night, it's usually around 90 minutes apart, correlating to one sleep cycle. 
Since acid reflux is a common underlying cause of obstructed nighttime breathing, let's talk about why this is happening to begin with. While it may seem odd, GERD and acid reflux occur because of low stomach acid. Most of the time, this is due to an overgrowth of the Helicobacter pylori bacterium, otherwise known as H. pylori, which is notorious for lowering stomach acid. Please note, you don't have to struggle with acid reflux to have a breathing problem due to an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria. In fact, many of the people that come to me for help do not have acid reflux as a symptom of low stomach acid. In these cases, they present with other symptoms, which I'll share in a bit. H. pylori is a distinctive bacterium due to its flagellation. Flagella, which are whip-like structures, enable H. pylori to navigate toward the surface of the mucosal cell, thus evading the acidic interior of the stomach and preventing its elimination through mucus flow. This characteristic is also why they are predominantly responsible for most duodenal and gastric ulcers, as the flagella allow them to burrow and effectively create perforations in the stomach. It's estimated that over half of the global population is inhabited by H. pylori. Despite being the most prevalent bacterial infection globally and being responsible for most duodenal and gastric ulcers, it escalates the risk of gastric cancer by two to three times. However, only 10 to 15% of those infected with H. pylori will suffer from peptic ulcer diseases, and a mere 1 to 3% may develop gastric cancer. Even if you don't develop gastric cancer, living with an overgrowth of H. pylori can be really painful, with a wide range of symptoms that go beyond digestive distress. Here's a list of common health problems I see in my clinic that are a result of H. pylori infection. Bloating gas, belching, indigestion, nausea, GERD and acid reflux, a constant feeling of fullness in the upper part of the stomach, a lump in the throat sensation, chronic dry cough, throat clearing and post-nasal drip, bad breath, constipation or diarrhea, insomnia, headaches and migraines, iron deficiency anemia, skin problems such as rosacea, acne, eczema, and psoriasis, asthma, canker sores, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and heart palpitations. If you've ever wished you could just find that one thing that's causing your suffering, you're not alone. We've all hoped for a magic pill that will fix that one root cause of our pain. But I'm here to tell you there is no such thing as one root cause. I blame influencer marketing and Dr. Google for selling us on these magic pills. They claim to have the answers to all our health problems, yet few people get well from their guidance. In fact, most of the time, I see people getting worse from their guidance because they keep falling down the rabbit hole of information overload that may or may not apply to them. This process is terribly draining on your pocketbook, as well as physical and emotional health. Not to mention what can happen if a diet or supplement is not appropriate for your chemistry. If you're ready to start the healing process, I invite you to book a complimentary consultation with me to see how I can help you overcome things like hormonal imbalances, ADHD, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, brain fog, and digestive distress. Go to eat4.life, then click on the free consultation button to book your complimentary discovery call. 
H. pylori has also been found in the oral cavity, which has led researchers to also find it in the ears, nose, and throat. It's been linked to several conditions, including ear infections and adenotonsillar hypertrophy, a leading cause of obstructive sleep apnea syndrome in children, nasal polyps, and chronic sinus infections. H. pylori can also cause brain fog, anxiety, and depression. If you or your family have a history of gastritis and or Hashimoto's, you should definitely consider properly testing for H. pylori because it is often the culprit in these conditions. Testing should be done via stool, qPCR, such as a GI map, which is what I use in my clinic. Research has demonstrated that qPCR is highly effective in identifying H. pylori in both gastric biopsy and stool samples. Regrettably, standard testing procedures for H. pylori don't utilize this technology, leading to many cases going unnoticed. Patients are often incorrectly informed that they don't have the infection, even when they exhibit many related symptoms. Sadly, I see this a lot in my practice. H. pylori is typically contracted during childhood and can remain as a chronic infection if not treated. It can be transmitted from one individual to another through direct contact with saliva, vomit, or fecal matter. Even pets, particularly dogs, can pass it on to their owners. Contaminated food or water can also be sources of transmission, but it's most commonly spread through person-to-person contact, such as kissing or sharing saliva. This can happen by eating from the same plate, using shared utensils, drinking from the same glass, or children playing with toys that have been drooled on by other infected children. Additional transmission routes can include consumption of well water, raw or undercooked food, and exposure to endoscopy equipment. So back to acid reflux and obstructed breathing. When we address the root causes, in this case, an H. pylori infection, we heal the gut inflammation that was causing the obstructed breathing and therefore nighttime urination. Keep in mind that what comes up is not only acid, but also bile, digestive enzymes, and bacteria can rise up. Research has actually discovered pepsin, a stomach enzyme, in the sinuses and middle ears, as well as in the lungs of individuals with chronic lung conditions, accompanied by lipid-loaded macrophages. This gives us a clue as to how your digestive organs should work harmoniously together. If stomach acid production is insufficient, It can disrupt the hormonal signals from the duodenum to the pancreas, which triggers the release of enzymes and bicarbonate, or pancreatic juice. This juice controls bile production and release. The body uses bile and bicarbonate, both highly alkaline, to balance the acidity of partially digested food entering the duodenum, ensuring optimal pH for pancreatic enzyme activity. If the pH is too acidic or too alkaline, enzyme activity diminishes, resulting in poor digestion and food absorption, which can affect your breathing during sleep. Additionally, stomach acid is your inherent antimicrobial substance that kills off the bad bacteria present in food at the time of consumption. Bile is also an antimicrobial substance, so it makes sense that when your digestive system is not functioning the way it should, an overload of inflammatory microorganisms can flood your system, leading to all sorts of health problems, including breathing issues and nighttime urination. Impaired digestion and gut inflammation will also impact 
hormones such as melatonin and serotonin, which are required for balanced sleep and organs to work properly. In fact, studies have shown that H. pylori-infected individuals have decreased expression of melatonin-synthesizing enzymes, which can be associated with low secretion of melatonin in the gastric mucosa. A side note, I'm not a fan of the traditional H. pylori treatment because the antibiotics used have a high rate of antibiotic resistance and in studies have shown to kill good bacteria to the point that even several years later have still not recovered to normalcy. So please work with a practitioner that understands this bacterium and how to properly treat it. Also, please note diet is a key factor in healing H. pylori. Commonly, I hear I'm getting older, so I guess I have to live with waking up to pee in the middle of the night. Well, please know this is not a normal part of aging. Studies have shown that the more frequently you wake up to urinate during the night, the higher your mortality rate. A study published in the Journal of Urology in 2011 revealed that men aged between 20 to 40 who wake up at least twice a night to urinate face a two and a half times increase in their overall mortality rate. For postmenopausal women aged 50 to 64 who experience the same, their overall death rate is approximately twice as high. After treating an H. pylori infection that can impair hormones and cause nighttime breathing issues and sleep apnea, people often find that their nighttime urination stops or becomes less severe. As I close, I'd like to share a story of a 46-year-old woman who came to me for digestive problems, insomnia with nighttime urination, depression, and fatigue. Since childhood, she reported always having a feeling of fullness in the upper portion of her stomach, along with belching gas and bloating. And this was very common among other family members. She also stated, I've always had rosacea, no matter what I do to try and fix it. As I suspected, she had very high levels of H. pylori in her stool. And keep in mind that if it's high in the stool, it's even higher in the stomach, and potentially the other areas I mentioned previously, such as the oral cavity, ears, nose, and throat. So we went to work changing her diet and incorporating botanical treatments, along with enzymes and other therapies, to eradicate the infection. She was also a nighttime snacker, so I had her stop eating at least four hours before bedtime, along with regular sleep and eating schedules. I also had her try special mouth tape before bed to ensure that she was breathing through her nose and not her mouth. Well, within three months, she was a new woman. Her lifetime digestive problems went away, her skin had cleared up, her energy had improved to the point where she was able to start working out again, and her nighttime urination had also stopped. I'd also like to add that her depression went away because we treated the root cause of the infection. Thanks for being with me today. I trust today's episode has blessed you, and I look forward to being with you next time. I believe sharing is caring, so I have a favor to ask. If my show is helpful to you, I would be so grateful if you would leave me a rating and review in iTunes. It is through sharing that we create community, eliminate guilt and shame, and bring about healing. Thank you in advance for taking three minutes out of your day to support my show so others can find me. Don't miss an episode of Eat for Life. Be sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player.